So I'm going to do one more thing. You guys have no idea all that's going on, and I'm forever grateful for the people that are backstage and here. Welcome to everybody in Palm Bay and DeLand, everybody watching online. We're glad you're there. But there are, there's, a, there's dozens of people that are working that you never see. There are rooms of people that are running banks of computers and monitors and switchers and cameras. So many just wonderful people doing their job. And so when they ask me to do something, I, I just do it. I don't ask any questions, okay? So if your name is Michael, do we have any Michaels in the room today? I know there's one. one or, well, if you're Michael, would you stand up? Anybody named Michael? Just stand up. All right, just stay up. All right, a few. We got a few. All right. Are you okay? You okay? You? Good? You okay? Yeah? Oh, well, sort of. All right. You okay? Sound booth, couple Michaels. You guys okay? All right. They asked me to do a mic check. I just trying to. <laughs> If you're a guest today, it doesn't get any better, so just buckle in. <laughs> what we build on gets more important the higher you go on the building. And that's why a cornerstone to a building is so important. Now, I'm not a builder, but I know that if you don't get the first block set right, there's no chance the building's going to be square. The building you're sitting in won all kinds of awards when it was finished eight years ago. Um, it's got more corners, more squares. If you go around and look at this thing, it is, it is truly an amazing feat of, of architecture, how they designed it, how they built it with tilt walls. It's, it's truly an amazing structure. But here's the deal. When they built it, when the walls go up, the walls have to fit together. See, if I was building it, there would be a gap and we'd need like three inches of caulk in between and it won't work very well if you build it that way. When you set the cornerstone, then the walls have to come together and if the walls don't come together right, well, guess what happens when you go to put the ceiling on, the roof on? It won't fit either. And so everything has to be precise, but the key is the cornerstone. And in Isaiah 28, Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the spiritual foundation. Now, when I look back at my mom, I could talk about a lot of things. Mom will listen to this this afternoon. But I want to tell you that <clears throat> we can talk about a million things that moms do for us. But there's one special thing my mom did for me. And maybe this is something you could share with your mom today. Because moms don't always do everything right. We're human, right? We know that. But share with your mom the one thing she did. My mom, she taught me to love reading. And I'm here 58 years later because of a love she put in me that in spite of who I was, I was able to read my way out of a whole lot of other problems in my life. So find that one area and be grateful for that. Jesus is that one. It says in Isaiah 28 that he is the cornerstone of the building, that everything about our faith stands or falls 
on Jesus, that the cornerstone would be born in Jerusalem. He would die in Jerusalem. He would resurrect in Jerusalem. And 1 Peter chapter 2 says that one of two things will happen with the cornerstone. Either you will build your life on Jesus or that cornerstone will destroy you. Now here's the truth. Sometimes in life, when you're building, there's things that have to be fixed. Would you agree with that? Sometimes a roof has to be put on. You say, I just put on a roof. Yeah, that was last week, and now they say I need another roof. Sometimes you have to paint the house. You know, if if you go home, you just painted the house, you go home today, and you're like, my goodness, it needs to be painted again. It never goes away, right? Just for the record, if evolution was true, your house should fix itself. If we're getting better and better and better, in fact, your body should fix itself, your grass should mow itself. There's a whole lot of things that ought to happen if evolution was true. But the truth is, a house constantly needs repair. Yes? So do we. So don't beat yourself up. You're like, man, I get three stones up and then something goes wrong and I have to fix that stone and then that I have to break that one off and then I get that going pretty good and the roof leaks and it's okay. If the cornerstone is right, if you and Jesus are right, the rest of the building can be worked on from the rest of time. But when we stand before Jesus, the only thing that's going to matter is our cornerstone. Did you know me? Did you have a relationship with me? Yeah, Jesus, but the windows leaked and, and I had the... It's okay. It's okay. He's not even going to ask you about any of that. It's the importance of that cornerstone. So if you'll stand with me out of respect for God's Word, we shall tackle this. Just a few verses. A little complex, so stay with me. It doesn't end real well. So so this is what the Sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. Hail will sweep away your refuge. The lie and water will overflow your hiding place. Your covenant with death will be annulled. Your agreement with the grave will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge sweeps by, you will be beaten down by it. As often as it comes, it will carry you away. Morning after morning, by day and by night, it will sweep through. The understanding of this message will bring sheer terror. That's beautiful, isn't it? You can be seated. The understanding of this message will bring sheer terror. Well, I'm going to try to show you how to avoid sheer terror. How many of you would like to avoid sheer terror? Yeah. I'm I'm not looking for that. So it starts off with the importance of the cornerstone. He said, see, I, God, lay a stone, a cornerstone, a precious cornerstone. His own son, Jesus, in Jerusalem, the foundation stone for everything else. So why is that important? Well, because I build my life on Jesus. I accept Jesus. I make a move to follow Jesus. Our marriage has to be built on Jesus. Now listen, here's how it works. In every area of your life, there's times when you've got to go back and knock a stone off and replace it and fix it. That doesn't mean you have to destroy the building. It means you fix it. Right? I'd have knocked my house down a few hundred times if that were the case. But I don't. 
We bring in electricians and plumbers and roofers and carpet people and we fix it. And then I go home and it needs fixing again. It's okay. That's the process of being a Christian. Because I'm constantly trying to keep this body working for the cornerstone. So I know there's going to be process that has to go on. And the sad thing is you've been told by a lot of preachers that you've got to get it all together. You're not going to get it all together till you, till you and I are with Jesus. That's when we'll get it all together. For now, my job is to keep trying to follow the cornerstone. That's why... Bible study is so important. That's why corporate worship is so important. That's why prayer is so important. That's why your relationship with your spouse. Look, I can't help where you've been, but what are we going to do from here? Let's be real. Okay, the roof leaks. I remember sitting in my house one day, and it was one of the, I don't know, who knows, Hurricane Northeaster. At at this point, who remembers, right? Um, But I'm sitting in our family room. And we've got a, a ceiling fan in there, and it was like a Three Stooges movie. I'm watching water drip through the light fixture. And knowing my friend Jim down here on the front row is an electrician, I, I called Jim. I said, Jim, is it normal for water to come through my... Should I see water in the, uh, in the light bulb? He goes, no, that's probably a problem. And um, so we shut the light off, and we fixed the roof. I didn't burn the house down. I fixed the roof. Had to do some electrical changes, but we fixed it and we moved on. If it rains tonight, hopefully that problem won't be there, but there'll probably be another one. But you keep going back to the cornerstone, and that's Jesus. And when he talks about the cornerstone, the cornerstone, the idea is it sets both walls. See, because when the cornerstone is set, the rest of the building is going to go off of that. And if you live in an old house, you might have a house where it's not square at all. A guy comes in to lay carpet or lay tile, and it's not like remotely close. It's like, who in the world built this corner? Well, if the cornerstone is not right, well, what they do now, they don't fix it. They're just going to patch the holes and go on. Our job is to get ourselves aligned with Jesus, who is the cornerstone. You see, and I'm not picking on you. Last night, I found a few people in the room. Cincinnati Bengal fans? Anybody willing to admit it? There 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 was a couple last night. Honest people. All right. Well, the Cincinnati Bengals made this big press release last week about their new uniforms. And they're pretty cool. But I didn't even read the article because I knew where this was going, right? So I went right to the comments. And I thought, okay, they're going to light this up. And sure enough, it, the first two guys, just too bad the same players will be in those new uniforms. <laughs> and I got to thinking about me. And us, well, you can put lipstick on a pig. You really can. We can dress up. We can clean up. We can come to church and play the part for an hour, hour and a half. Uh, We can do whatever we need to do, but that doesn't change the heart. That doesn't change what's going on on the inside. And listen, only, only you and God know that. And if you're, if you really have a prayer partner that you're truly honest with, but 
Those, that's, that can be difficult. But listen, that's what relationship is about. And if you ever want to get right with Jesus, you've got to come clean with all that stuff that's on the inside because Jesus is not surprised. He's not surprised by your alcohol addiction or your porn addiction or your, your, your theft problem or your greed problem. But if you don't take it back to him and reset the corner, things are never going to go right. Here's Peter's words. Now to you who believe this stone is what? It's a tough word because men don't use that word. Ladies, when you leave today, we're going to give you a bag. And you you ladies are going to go, that's precious. On Father's Day, we're going to give out bags. And there's not going to be one dad that says, this bag is precious. (laughs) Am I right? It's not going to happen. But God says of his son, the cornerstone, the stone is precious. It's God's own son. That's why it's precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. He goes on to say they'll stumble over it and that stone will end up crushing them. So either you will build your life on Jesus or you will fall over Jesus and he will destroy you. So if you're watching online, push that button, I've decided. Maybe you don't even know at this point, what does it mean? What does it mean to accept Jesus? What does it mean to come to God? I don't even understand what you're talking about. Press the button, all right? People will talk to you. After the service, come up front. Palm Bay to land, come up front. Ben and David will be there. They'll be there to help you. But you need to engage in this conversation before the culture eats you alive. So besides the cornerstone, he talks about the fact that God is the leveler. Now, if you take a look at verses 16 and 17, 18 there, he says that God is both the level and the plumb. Again, since I'm not a builder, I'll do my best. Level is this way and the plumb is this way. How'd I do? All right, is that good? All right. All right, that's everything I know. All right, so. But the point of the verse is this. God is the one who judges everything. You and I will not judge. Our standards will not be the judge. God himself and God alone will be the judge of your life. So if you think, well, I'm going to negotiate this with God when I get there. The level's already set. The corner's already been put in place. The plumb is already there. That's why you and I need Jesus as our Savior. Now, I'm going to go on a tangent here just for a second. You're like, I thought that's what the whole sermon was, but no. Um, We're doing something special here Wednesday night, and I hope you'll all come, and I hope you'll bring friends. I don't know where I'm going to put you. Hallways, overflow, we've got TV monitors everywhere. Um, We're hosting a movie that we're, we're only the second church in the state of Florida, maybe the country, that's, that's gotten this movie. And it's Roe versus Wade. And what we're doing is trying, it's a grassroots movement to get an amendment on the ballot for November of 22 called the Heartbeat Amendment. They just passed it in Oklahoma. And what it says is if a heart is beating, an unborn child, a special needs person, or a senior citizen, you cannot take their life. That's what, that's what we're working on. So, <clears throat> it's about, it's about an hour and 45 minute movie. 
and then we're going to have all kinds of paperwork for you. For we want we want to get all as many. We need like eight hundred thousand signatures to get it on the ballot. And they've asked Tomoka if we can bring home Volusia County. So what we need is for Tomoka to invite other churches. I need you to get friends from other churches to come because it's going to take every church in Volusia County to get this done. I want you to listen to this quote, all right? This is what happens when you take God, you no longer use God as a level, but you use man as the level. Here's the kind of stuff that comes up. You ready for this? Listen to this quote. So you can expect me to believe that a fetus is gay, but not alive. That's where our culture is. You can now determine that a, that a fetus is gay before it's born, but you cannot say that it's actually a baby. Help me. Help me. That's why we're after the heartbeat bill. If a heart is beating, you have to admit there's a life, don't you? All right. That's all I got to say about that. I'll see you Wednesday night. Um, 6.30. 6.30 Wednesday night right here. We'll get as many chairs in here as we can. Like I said, we'll fill the lobby. There's TV monitors. Uh, I hope we have people outside. That's what I hope. And uh, we, have a, we have a lot of work to do. All right, then we get to, to the last part. And this is the, this is the tough part that talks about the sheer terror. God says that I will annul your covenant with death. Took me all week to figure this one out. Because I'm like, oh, this is going to be easy. He's talking about Jesus coming and dying for us and bringing us life. No. That's not the story at all. He says, I will annul your covenant with death. And what will happen? Disaster upon disaster upon disaster upon disaster. And terror beyond what you can imagine. So he's not talking about annulling death. Here's what's happened. If you remember, as we go back, last week we looked at Isaiah 26, verse 3. God will keep you in perfect peace, right? Perfect, perfect peace. Godly peace. And we talked about the fact that that doesn't mean there's an absence of problems. You don't need perfect peace unless there's a mess swirling around you. But when everything is falling apart around you, it is the cornerstone. It is that perfect peace that keeps you aligned with God in the midst of the storm. That even if everything's falling apart and you're falling apart, the center of you is still right with God. Because Philippians 1.21 says, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. But we live in a culture that seems to think they can... Avoid death. You can't avoid death. In fact, I dare say you can't postpone it. Now, could you hurry it? Yes, I, I suppose if you stepped in front of a bus, you could hurry it. But you still wouldn't surprise God because God knows your day. So instead of being afraid of death, how about we be afraid of not living? For me to live is Christ. More service, more work, more opportunities to love people. For me to die is what? Gain. I win. I win. Whatever happens after this world, Paul said, it is great gain. Here's what happened in the story. The Israelites knew they were about to get wiped out, so they start making covenants with everybody. Everybody. All these false gods, all of the false, um, the, the, the idols, the pagan countries, and they're like, Egypt will protect us and we won't die. 
God said, I'll tell you what I think of your covenant. I will destroy your covenant. In fact, I will annul it. If you don't know what that word means, annulment means to make it like it never happened. You make all the agreements you want, but I will literally erase the ink off of the page. So rather than turn to God and say, God, we need you. We need you as our cornerstone. We need you as our foundation. We need you as our salvation. They said, we've got to figure out how to stay alive. So let's make an agreement with the Egyptians and the Syrians. And God said, I'll tell you what, that's the worst deal you've ever made in your life. So you've got to decide. Are my alliances going to be here? Am I going to trust in my money and my pride and my position and my life? Or am I going to put my hands and my life in the hands of the cornerstone? the precious cornerstone, and trust that he has the ultimate plan for my life. That's it. That's the only two options. Either you will make an agreement that God himself will cancel, or you'll make an agreement with God himself. Those are the options that we have. But you saw how it ended. The, The agreement that we make with the world ends in sheer terror. I'll show you how it works, okay? The the Indonesian sub that that blew up, couple weeks ago. I don't know if you, saw, if you saw this story or not, but uh, it's always tragic <clears throat> with, with submarines because you know it's not going to end well when a sub goes missing. And here's the truth. This, it's, it's amazing what submarines are able to do. Let me get my numbers right. The submarine was rated to be 655 feet underwater. That's pretty impressive. Because the pressures that are, that are on you at that point. But at 656 feet, the sub will implode. It will just crush in on itself. Well, they found the sub in 2,750 feet of water. Needless to say, everybody was long dead. The air was sucked right out of it, and they would have all died instantly. It's a tragedy. You say, why are you telling me about a submarine? Because I want to tell you how sin works in your life. And in my life, this is not that bad. I can do this. I can steal. I can watch this. I can drink this. I can smoke this. I can go around this law. I can, and I'm doing fine. Don't you see? I'm 300 feet down and I'm doing fine. Nobody intends to end up 2,700 feet down. But let me explain to you. Sin's plan all along was to take you to the bottom. Sin's plan was never to take you a foot under. It was to destroy you. And you're fooling yourself if you think, I'll I'll just go down a couple hundred feet. But every addict I've ever talked to, every sinner I've ever talked to, thinks exactly that. I can handle it. I'll keep it at 500 feet. Yeah, but you're going to implode at 565. I'll hold it at 500. No chance. No chance. So you've got to decide today, am I willing to take this ride with sin or do I go back to the cornerstone? Now, everything around me might get destroyed, but I can still stand on the cornerstone. I can stand on the cornerstone because it's going to remain firm. Let's go back to the Suez Canal one more time. We talked about this last week. We talked about the ship and all this. But somebody made this cool sign um, about a detour. Here's the detour if you don't go through the Suez Canal. You just have to go around Africa. 
It's a 6,000-mile detour in the roughest waters on the planet. Now, can I tell you something? Some of you here and some of you watching online, you've taken the detour. You're like, 6,000 miles? I wish that's all mine was. Some of you have been on a detour for a long time. I know that. And uh, I've taken plenty of myself. That's what I was trying to tell my mom, but I just let her believe I was an angel. It's okay. Um, we all taken some detours in our life. Now, there's a few of you. You were born in church. Your mother gave birth in the nursery, and uh, you never left. God bless you. All right? God bless you. There are some of you, and I am, I am blown away and humbled by that. I really am. But that's, that's not most of our stories. Most of us took a lot of detours along the way. What I want you to know is the detour doesn't matter. It's getting to your destination that does. When you stand before God, he's not going to ask you how long it took you to get there. He's not going to ask you how many times you had to replace the windows. He's only going to say, did you know me? Did you know Jesus? Was the cornerstone set? Did you accept Jesus? Did you follow Jesus? That's all that's going to matter, my friends. And we get so caught up in the details. So if you're on a detour right now, come on back. Some of you have been running for a while. I talked to a guy last night. He said, I've been on a detour for a long time. I said, well, welcome home. See, that's the great thing. When you decide to come back to Jesus, it's a straight line. You don't have to go all the way around the continent. It's a straight line back to Jesus. We'll use that to lead us into communion. Because Jesus died. You can grab your cups there. And whatever you got at home, cracker, bread, juice. Hospital with my wife a couple years ago, and we did ginger ale and bad saltine crackers. And it accomplished the same thing. Because it is remembering that while you and I are taking detours, Jesus is still that solid foundation. And no matter how many times I've had to replace the roof on my dwelling, God's still been secure underneath. So communion is a reminder of Jesus being that cornerstone, that precious cornerstone. The bread represents Jesus' body. The juice represents his blood that was shed as a sacrifice so that regardless of how many bricks I've had to replace, when we stand before God, that will not be a discussion. It'll simply be where you standing on the cornerstone. So take the bread with me in remembrance of Jesus' body. and the juice representing his blood. Lord, there's not enough thank yous that we could bring out in this room. Because there's been so many detours, so many miles out of the way from the people in this room and the people watching online and Palm Bay and the land. My goodness, the billions of miles that we've run in circles. But here we are, grateful for the one who paid the price. So there'll never be enough thank yous, but we remember that. We remember that through the blood and the body that you paid the price. 
and that you have wiped away our sin. And for that, we give you eternal thanks. Amen.